You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. If you have your Bibles, look with me. Have you went to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6 is where we're at this morning. Grab your sermon notes. In case you were not here last Sunday, we started a new series titled, Did Jesus Really Say That? You know, oftentimes when we think of Jesus, we think of meek, mild, gentle, compassionate, loving, and certainly Jesus was all of that. But hear me, Jesus had a wild side. He did. And I say that with great respect. A wild side, and that oftentimes he was radical, he was demanding, um, he was um, difficult in the words that he spoke. Hey, Jesus came not only as truth, Jesus was truth. John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth. Not only was Jesus truth, but he came speaking truth. And how many of you know that sometimes truth makes us feel uncomfortable? Right? If you're in the wrong and someone brings truth, well, it hurts a little, doesn't it? Or it makes you a little uncomfortable. Or maybe you don't want to hear what someone has to say. But truth at times can be difficult in our lives. So we're looking at some of these, these difficult sayings. As I said last week, following Jesus is good. It's right. It's life-giving. It's life-fulfilling. But hear me, it's not always easy and it's not always fun. Come on, get on board with me this morning. It's not always easier fun, is it? Say amen to that. It's true. Sometimes it's hard to follow Jesus. It's hard to take the things that Jesus said and actually bring it into our lives and work it out through our lives. Well, today we're going to look at some tough words on forgiveness. How many of you would agree with me that forgiveness is one of those concepts that's much easier to talk about than it is to walk out? Right? A lot easier to sit in here in this safe place and talk about forgiveness than it is actually to bring it into our lives and walk it out in the Mondays and the Tuesdays and, and the Wednesdays of life. So today we're going to talk about forgiveness. And forgiveness is critical as we think about relationship. Relationship with God, relationship with others. Forgiveness, grace in those relationships is critical if we're going to have healthy relationships. If we're going to be in right relationship with God and right relationship with others, then we have to be willing to uh, embrace the truth of what Jesus said about this issue of forgiveness. There's a, a cute story, cute story about, about two little brothers, Harry and James, who had finished supper and they were playing until bedtime. And oftentimes as two little brothers rambunctious are playing, you know, something happens and someone gets hurt. Well, in this particular situation, it was James that hit Harry with the stick and there was tears, there was angry words, um, there was um, all of these emotions that was playing out. And as they got ready for bed, this is kind of carrying over into bedtime. As they got ready for bed, uh, the mother told James, that James, before you go to bed tonight, you're, you're going to have to forgive your, your brother, for your brother Harry, for hitting you with the stick. James was, thought, was thoughtful for a few moments, then replied, well, okay, I'll forgive him tonight. But if I don't die in my sleep tonight, he better watch out tomorrow. <laughs> The sad thing is, is that as adults, we often act like that. We often respond in that way. Rather than truly letting things go, when the injury is deep, when the pain is, uh, is deep, the offense is real, oftentimes we, 
we have a hard time letting go of. We, we have this tendency to, to do what I call this thing called carry over. We want to hold on to the offense. We want to make others pay. Or even at times we, we want to get even. However, that's the exact opposite. The exact opposite of what Jesus calls us to. What does Jesus call us to? He calls us to radical forgiveness. Turn to your neighbor and say, radical forgiveness. What does Jesus want for, from us? He wants us to walk out radical forgiveness. You know, if you think about it, Christianity is a faith of forgiveness. Right? This thing that we're a part of, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you're a part of a movement called Christianity. And Christianity is a movement of, it's a faith of forgiveness. To prove that out, how did you get into the faith? Well, you receive mercy and grace, right? Listen, you didn't earn your way. You didn't work your way. You were not good enough to get in. If good enough was the standard, none of us would be in. How did you come into Christianity? How did you come into relationship with God? It was because of His grace and mercy. It's because God was willing to forgive you, wipe the slate clean. Therefore, you can have relationship with God. So you became a Christian because God was willing to forgive you of your sin. I love the way the psalmist states it. Psalm 103, verse 17. says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So we've been given great mercy. Now we are called to live out, to give out that very mercy to others. If we don't, if we're not willing to forgive, then what happens is we injure ourselves. We enslave ourselves. That becomes the danger of unforgiveness. That's why Jesus would have these really strong words about forgiveness. Pastor Brian Zan, in one of his books, makes this great statement clearly identifying the challenge that we create when we're not willing to forgive. I have the quote there in your notes. It's on the screen. Listen as I read this. The refusal to forgive is a toxic memory that endlessly pulls the painful past into the present. The toxic memory of the past poisons the present and contaminates the future. In case you're here today, And you're holding on to a point of event. Someone injured you. Someone betrayed you. Someone hurt you. Maybe it was 20 years ago. Or maybe it happened yesterday. Whatever the situation. If you're here and you're holding on to something. I want you to listen one more time. As I read these words that Pastor Brian wrote. The refusal to forgive is a toxic memory. That endlessly pulls the painful past into the present. In other words you can't get away from it. The toxic memory of the past poisons the present and contaminates the future. Folks, that is the tragedy and the danger of unforgiveness, of not being willing to let it go. That's why it's so critical that we choose the path of forgiveness. So not not only is forgiveness vital in our relationship with others, but it's also vital in our relationship with God. The unforgiveness creates a problem in our relationship with God. And that's what Jesus is speaking of here in Matthew chapter 6. If you would look with me to verse 14 and 15. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. Jesus said, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you, not, if you do not forgive men their sins, notice your Father will not Forgive your sins. 
So according to the words of Jesus, if we're, if we're unwilling to forgive others, it places us in a precarious position in our relationship with God. If we're not willing to give mercy and grace to others, then it limits or restricts the very mercy and the very grace that we need to receive from God for our own lives. Now it's interesting if you look at the broader context here of Matthew 6, 14 and 15. This, this, uh, these two verses of Scripture are actually in the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, He's talking along and He comes to this issue of prayer. I mean, right above verse 14 and 15 is the Lord's Prayer. He comes to the Lord's Prayer and there's a line in the Lord's Prayer that says this, Forgive, Father, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then verse 15, 14 and 15 is actually uh, Jesus expounding on forgiveness. Because this is what Jesus knew. Jesus knew that we were going to be challenged with forgiveness. He knew that in our humanity, we were going to, we, we were going to want to hold on to. In our humanity, he knew that we were going to want to get even. That we were going to want to demand payment. Therefore, he says, hey, I need to give you a little more information about forgiveness. And about why forgiveness and forgiving others is so critical. But before we go on to talk about forgiveness, let's interact for a minute about this. Why is it so hard for us to forgive? So pride, pride in our lives keeps us from forgiving others. There's this ego part of it. I mean, it's, it, that's the reality. Many times pride keeps us in a place of being enslaved to an issue because we're not willing to let it go. Someone else. So there's pride. I'm sorry. Oh, pain. Thank you. Yeah, there's pain. There's depending on what the point of offense was or the injury it could be something that cuts so deep in our heart. It's like, oh, I, I could never let that go. So the pain is so real. Oftentimes it keeps us like imprisoned to the issue, the offense. Someone else. What else? Fear. I can't hear the last of it. Fear of appearing weak. So we want to be in control. Uh, so we don't want to forgive. And I, I think we could go on, on and on talking about the challenges of forgiveness. But I think what we need to understand is that if we don't forgive, if we don't push past the challenges and forgive, it creates problems in our lives. Matter of fact, let me give you four things that's going to happen if you choose to hold on to the offense. If you choose not to extend forgiveness to someone, what's going to happen? First is this, it's going to make you bitter. Unforgiveness in your life will feed bitterness. It will make you an angry, ugly person. Not ugly on the outside, but ugly on the inside. You'll be wondering, why do I continue to explode? What is it in me that has me so agitated, upset? Why do I keep throwing up on people? Not like literally throwing up on people, but exploding. This is what happens when we refuse to let an issue go. When we refuse to release a point of offense, we feed bitterness in our lives. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 talks about uh, letting things go so there's not this root of bitterness. Oh, here's the second thing that happens. Unforgiveness in our lives wrecks relationships. If there's an issue of unforgiveness, 
then what happens is it's like a wall that separates. So what happens? Relationships suffer. How many of you would say in your life you've experienced a loss? You've, you've had loss of a relationship. You've seen a relationship wrecked because of unforgiveness. Probably everyone in the room today. Listen, it's the reality of relationship. Where you have relationship, you're going to have failure. And where you have failure, you have to have forgiveness. If you don't have forgiveness, you end up with a wrecked relationship. But unforgiveness, what does it do? The end result is it it wrecks relationships. Not only that, unforgiveness will hinder prayer. Unforgiveness in your life becomes an obstacle between you and God that limits the effectiveness of your ability to connect with God and communicate with God. Unforgiveness is like a kink in the water hose. You ever try washing the car or water in the plants and you pull in the water hose and you get a kink in it? What happens? It stops the flow, right? Listen, same thing. Unforgiveness in your life, holding on to the injury, the hurt, the offense is like a kink in your prayer life. It stop. It stops the flow. The fourth thing that happens when we're not willing to forgive, and I think probably this is maybe the most dangerous of the four, is this: unforgiveness will actually forfeit God's mercy. I think this is the great point of danger for us. If we're unwilling to give mercy to others when they fail us or injure us or take advantage of us, then we close the door. To the very mercy we need from God. Let me let me say it. Let me say it like this. If you're unwilling to forgive someone else, then you'd better you'd better not fail, mess up, screw up, stumble, or have any point of fault in your life because you just closed the door on the very mercy from God you need in your life. In other words, you better live perfect and not mess things up. Because there's not mercy available. You've actually tied the hands of God, so to speak, because you're not willing to give mercy to someone else. And you say, well, pastor, that sounds really hard. Listen, don't tell me about it. Tell Jesus about it. Because he's the one that brought the hard saying. Look back to verse 15. Jesus said, but if you do not forgive men their sins, your heavenly father will not forgive your sins. That's the hard saying here. Jesus makes it really clear that Christians must be willing and ready to forgive every point of offense. And if we're unwilling to forgive repeating offenders, then, then again, there's, there's not mercy in our own lives for, for ourselves. Now, Jesus illustrates this in a, in a really phenomenal way. Matthew 18, there's a parable called the parable of the unmerciful servant. And in this parable... Jesus tells this story about a king who's settling his accounts. And there's this servant who owes him millions, millions of dollars. Millions upon millions of dollars. More than he could ever repay. So the king calls the servant in and says, hey, give me what you owe. And, and the servant says, oh, I, I can't do it. And, and he pleads for mercy. And get this, the king like cancels all the debt. Wipes the slate clean. Forgives the man of millions of dollars. And then that servant who's been forgiven millions in the story, Jesus tells, goes out and finds one of his buddy who owes him a few bucks. And his buddy who owes him a few bucks doesn't have the bucks because he's been to Starbucks and he spent all of his money at Starbucks. So he has no bucks to pay the man. And so his friend who's been forgiven much takes this servant and has him thrown in prison. Now, there's some folks who are observing this and they go tell the king. 
about what's just happened. Of this man who's been forgiven much, yet he he's demanding payment from his friend. I, I want you to listen to how the parable ends. Matthew 18, 32. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Verse 35, catch this, reads like this. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Because what we must understand today is that in every offense, no matter how small, how large, you have a decision to make. Here's the decision. Three questions. Will you require payment? Will you demand punishment? Or will you give pardon? Will you require payment? Will you demand punishment? Or will you give pardon? We're like the the servant in the parable who's been forgiven millions. Listen, God's forgiven you of more than you could ever repay. Your account, your mess-ups, your screw-ups were like mine. They were enormous, gigantic. Millions. But because God is rich in mercy, Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, rich in mercy, he wiped the slate clean. And now he's called us not only to be recipients of mercy, but he's called us to be those who give mercy, who give grace to others. So again, are you going to require payment? Are you going to demand punishment? Or are you going to give pardon? Are you going to give to others the very mercy you've received? So how do we live out this hard saying? How do we forgive when the injustice is great and the pain runs deep? How do we take this and actually work it out in our lives? Let me leave you with three things as I wrap this up. How can we walk out this truth? How can we take this hard saying and and put it to work in our lives? I, I think the first step is this. We need to remember the mercy and grace that, that we've received from God. So let's start there. Remember the millions that you've been forgiven. Before you start demanding a few bucks from someone else, before you start demanding payment from someone else, why don't you recall the mercy that's been given to you? And God said, clean, account, clean, pardon, free. That's your life. It's my life. We're the servant who's been forgiven millions. So we need to remember the, the, the mercy of God that we've received and that we're now called to give to others. There's a, a great story, a true story that comes out of the Armenian genocide, 1915 to 1917, in which one and a half million Armenians were murdered by the Ottoman Turks. And millions more were raped, brutalized, and forcibly deported in this horrible injustice, there was uh, a specific story, again, true story, of a, of a Turkish army officer who led a raid on a home, on an Armenian home. They went into the home, they murdered their mom and dad, and there were several girls, several sisters in the home. After they murdered the mom and the dad, this Turkish army officer gave the girls over to the soldiers to do whatever they wanted to with, and he took the oldest girl as his own, his own sex slave. And for a number of years, this this young Armenian girl um, 
was in captivity until she finally escaped and went on to train as a nurse. In an ironic twist of fate, she found herself actually working in a, in a ward that cared for Turkish army officers. One night in a, in a, a dim room, they brought in a, an army officer who needed care, and she recognized the man as being the one who had murdered her mom and dad. The one who had given her sisters over to the soldiers, the one who had even brutalized her. Now he's here and he's needing care. His situation was critical and he was going to have to have exceptional care if he were to survive. And it was exceptional care that she gave. Several days later, there was a doctor who was in checking on patients and he actually said to this uh, this Turkish army officer, he says, you know, if it had not been for the care of this woman, you wouldn't be alive today. And so this Turkish army officer looks to this nurse and he's like trying to connect the dots. And he says, have, have we met before? And she said, yes, we have. And it was that point that he connected the dots and he realized it was this woman's parents that he had killed. It was this woman that he had brutalized it was this woman that he had made a sex slave and now she's the one who's giving care to him and he asked this question why didn't you kill me and this is what she said get this she said i am a follower of jesus christ and he's called me to love my enemies i'm one who's received mercy and i'm called to live that mercy out i think folks that is a that is a statement of the, of the life that we're called to live as Christ's followers. We're not called to get even. We're not called to settle the score. We're called but to live, to live out mercy. If you can think of it like this, who are we? We are forgiven forgivers, right? We are forgiven forgivers. We're those who've received great mercy. We need to give that mercy. So first thing, when you're dealing with a point of offense, I would encourage you, just recall how much God's forgiven you of. And allow that to motivate you to the second step. Here's the second step. You need to choose to let it go. Choose to let it go. Listen, forgiveness always begins with a decision. It's a decision to give pardon rather than to demand payment. It's a decision that you're going to do what's God-honoring. It's a decision to extend to someone else the very mercy that you've received from God. Now, to be honest, you're probably not going to feel like letting it go. Actually, it's the last thing your flesh wants to do. Yet, it's, it's the right thing to do. It's a choice to let it go that frees us. It's the choice to let it go, to let the point of offense, to let the injury go that allows God to begin to bring a healing process in our lives. I was reading um, a well-known um, psychologist the other day. I was reading some articles that he's written. He's written a number of books. And this is a statement he's, he made. He says, 80% of individuals' troubles that bring them to my office, 80% is connected to unforgiveness. 80%. He says, I could solve 80% of my client's problems if I could just get them to truly let it go. To make the decision, to, to, to let it go. So the first, the, the second step, we want to remember the mercy of God. And we want to come to the place that, that we let it go. Make the decision. I had someone in my office some time back who had this crisis that happened in their lives. It wasn't specifically to them. It was actually uh, to their children. And they had taken on the offense 
And for years they'd been carrying it forward and it continued to trip on, continued to wreck their lives. Therefore, they found their way to my office. In the midst of it, as we're having this conversation, I came to realize, wow, this, this present thing in her life that continues to wreck her, this emotional turmoil that she has is connected to something way back here. And it was this point of offense. It was this point of injury that happened years ago, yet she was still holding on to it. And I, I said, listen to me, this is what's happening. You know, I said, here's a word picture. I said, you are attached to this issue in your past. And it's like a bungee cord. And you're running forward in life until you get enough tension on that bungee cord. And it snaps you right back to this point of injury. And you get up and you dust yourself off like I can do this. You start moving forward. Things are going well. You get tension on the cord and it snaps you back. You have an emotional breakdown. I tell you, here's the problem. You got to let it go. She said, I can't. I said, you can and you must. I said, if you don't, 15 years from now, you're still going to be dealing with the same issue. You have to make a decision. So forgiveness begins as we make the decision. The choice to let it go. So when someone offends you, you have a decision to make. And the decision we're going to make is what? Say this with me. We're going to let it go. Let's say it again. What are we going to do? We are going to let it go. Listen, friends, forgiveness is not a feeling. It's an act of obedience. If you're waiting until you feel like forgiving someone, you you won't. It's an act of obedience. So we're going to decide. We're going to make a decision to let it go. And here's the third step that's really important to walk out forgiveness. We're going to choose to let it go. The third step is you're going to remind yourself that you let it go. Remind yourself. As I deal with this all the time. And you think, well, we just talked about letting it go. Now we're going to remind ourselves that we let it go. Listen, just because you let something go doesn't erase the memory of what happened. You remember. You know the old saying, how many remember the old saying, well, you just need to forgive and forget. How many of you know that's not realistic? <laughs> you forgive, but you remember. And it's the remembering that can trip us up. See, our mind has the ability, I don't know if you've noticed, the mind has the ability to play a trick on you, Right? I mean, like it, it continues to surface things. And we know that we have an adversary who wants to trip us up. How does he want to trip us up? He wants to trip us up by enslaving us to the things of the past. So what do you need to do? You need to remind yourself, no, I let that go. I let that go on April the 30th, actually, at the third worship service at Grace Covenant Church. <laughs> I let it go. The enemy brings it back to, no, I, I, I let it go. Listen, you may carry the scar forward, but you don't have to have the pain from the scar. Amen. Now, on my elbow here, I don't know if you can see it, but I have a large scar that runs across my elbow. My, my uncle cut me with a chainsaw. It's not like a game we play in Arkansas, chainsaw <laughs> tag. It was actually a real accident. We were out in the woods, and um, I, I, I don't know exactly how it happened. When I was a 12-year-old, I thought, I, was, I thought my arm was going to fall off. I thought he'd cut my arm off. Today I have this scar, and I'm going to have this scar the rest of my life. And every time I look at the scar, I remember what happened when I was 12 years old. But today there's, there's no longer any pain to it. My elbow works fine. 
no longer an issue in my life. But as long as I live, I'm going to have this scar that reminds me of that event. The years has not done away with the, the scar still there. In the same way, when you're, when you're injured, there's a tendency to get hurt and there's the scar. And the scar can bring up the memories. But listen, it doesn't have to be connected to pain. It doesn't have to be an anchor in your life. Once you choose to let it go, what do you have to do? You have to remind yourself, no, I let that go. You have to remind the enemy of your soul, no, I, I let that go. No longer an issue. I'm no longer a slave to it. I'm, I'm no longer anchored to it. You know, what's very clear in Scripture is that instead of reciprocal response, Jesus calls us to radical forgiveness. A radical forgiveness that frees us and that frees others. A radical forgiveness like we found in Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania. I think probably most of you will remember the story. October the 2nd, 2006, when Charles Robert carried his guns into an Amish schoolhouse, released the teacher and all the male students, kept all the female students in the schoolhouse, and took his guns, murdered five innocent girls, seriously injured five other girls before he took his own life. Horrible tragedy. Revealing the depravity of humanity. What was amazing, if you read the story, and I would encourage you to do some research in it, but as you read the story, it's truly a story of radical forgiveness. Because that very evening, it was individuals from the Amish community that showed up at Charles Roberts' wife's door. And they brought gifts and they brought food and they communicated that they have forgiven their husband and they held no animosity toward her or her children. That evening there were individuals who showed up at Charles Roberts' father's home communicating the same, same thing. Five days later when they had the funeral for Charles Roberts, 75 of the mourners gathered over half of the 75 were from the Amish community. Some, just days before, had buried their own daughters, yet they were there embracing the wife of the man who murdered their children. Why? Because that's what Jesus does. And that's what Jesus has called us to. He's called us to radical forgiveness. He's called us to live free, free from the baggage of life that comes with unforgiveness. So what's it look like to follow Jesus? It looks like this. It looks like letting things go. It looks like extending mercy and grace to others. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what's happened in your life over the past few days, the past few weeks, the past few years. But possibly you're here today and there's a point of injury, there's a point of offense. There's something in your life where someone wronged you, hurt you deeply. And you've been holding on to it. And you thought, I could never forgive them. I could never let that go. Can I tell you today? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I would even go beyond that. You must. Jesus says, if we're not willing to forgive others, then the Father cannot, will not forgive us. You must.
to whatever it is. In just a moment, we're going to have a prayer. And I just encourage you, right there where you're seated, simply to pray a prayer like this. God, today I, I choose to let it go. So you, you don't have to wait for the feeling. Forgiveness is an act of obedience. It's not a feeling. It's an act of obedience. I choose. I choose to let it go. I choose to set, whatever their name is, I choose to set them free. And in that, you're freeing yourself. In that, you're opening the way for God to bring healing to the wounded places of your life. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you today for the wonder of your mercy. God, we are like the servant who owed millions and millions, more than we could ever repay. God, that was our debt. And you wiped the slate clean. You gave us great mercy and grace. Now you're calling us, God, to live that out in our relationships with others. And Lord, for individuals here, if there's something they've been holding on to, if there's a point of offense, there's a point of injury, Lord, I pray today that they would find freedom. Today that they would be willing to let it go. Today that they would make that decision, that they would take that step. Lord, as those who have received great mercy, Lord, may we not be stingy with that mercy. The Holy Spirit, right now, I just ask that you would speak to people. I bring back to their memory, if there's things that they need to deal with in this moment. And if that's you, if you're here and you, there's something you need to deal with, I would, just, I, I would encourage you right now, just say, Lord, I choose to let it go. I'm making that decision. As you've given me great mercy, I choose to give mercy. I'm no, I'm no longer going to demand payment. I'm going to give grace. I'm going to give pardon. Lord Jesus, thank you for the truth of your word. The truth that, that you've spoken. The tru- truth you've revealed. Help us take this this biblical truth and live it out. Help us, Holy Spirit, to build it into our lives in the Mondays, the Tuesdays, the Wednesdays. May we even come to the place, Lord Jesus, that that we can't be offended. That we've just that we would just nail that down and I I'm gonna live my life above offense. Holy Spirit, help us to that ends, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.